opening glasses up. Come join us as we unwind with a discussion about our newest read and tastiest drinks. I'm one of your co-hosts, Karina. And I am your other co-host, Kimberly. And today we will be discussing the second half of the book, Not a Nation of Immigrants, Settler Colonialism, White Supremacy, and a History of Erasure and Exclusion by Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz. Yes. Um, so, if y'all listened before, or to the last episode, um, this book is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, yeah, so. yeah. I mean, clearly we think it's very good in the sense that we broke this up into two episodes, because there's just so much to discuss. Yeah. Um, but, Okay the drinks real quick so we are both drinking coke yes yes okay so i'm drinking coke and then probably in about two minutes i'm gonna begin drinking a pepsi bottle (laughs) because (laughs) i got a coke for lunch and we had a pepsi bottle in the fridge so i'm going between the two but let the record (laughs) reflect that i love coke way more than pepsi i don't even really like pepsi (laughs) Yeah, Pepsi's not the best. I right? They I don't even understand how people like Pepsi more than Coke. I know, yeah. Um I could drink it, but like obvi- obviously. But um I like Coke better. <laughs> yeah, same. And okay. yeah, oh it's just so good. <laughs> Coke should sponsor us at this point. <laughs> oh my gosh. We've mentioned it like twice. I know. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, so we left off, we finished chapter three last week, so there's eight chapters and a conclusion. Um, so we're starting with chapter four. Yes. So. Thoughts? Okay. I have a few for chapter four, so like. Okay. A few meaning a lot. (laughs) Well, I don't actually have any for chapter four, but I'm obviously would love to hear yours but i guess let's give the little synopsis thing that she puts in the beginning in the intro oh yes 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 please that's okay so chapter four continental imperialism begins with anglo settlers seizing the agricultural lands of indigenous peoples of the southeast for plantation agribusiness and cotton and importing enslaved people from the original slave states for the grueling labor. Okay, I feel like I read that, like, way weird. No. But that's what it's about. Or that's at least what the beginning is about. Because <laughs> you said it begins with. <laughs> um... What did you think? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like what was really blowing my mind during this chapter Mm -hmm. was... Okay, so I want to say how much I did not know. But I feel like that's every chapter. 
But more specifically, um, it was kind of just like how deep the like plan for expansion was and like yeah. how much it really seemed like they like planned it all together, you know? Like all of the different moves that the United States government made and its people. Yeah. Um, like so for instance what I'm thinking about is an example of it is when uh, she says after his 1803 purchase of the Louisiana Territory from Napoleon, President Thomas Jefferson claimed that its boundaries extended to the Rio Grande, which was then Rio Grande, sorry, <laughs> which was then part of the Spanish occupied Mexico. Soon after the founding of the Republic of Mexico in 1821, U.S. officials and newspapers began to hint that the Rio Grande marked the border between the United States and Mexico, and there was a great public conviction behind the attempt to reunite and reacquire the territory, the term Manifest Destiny being coined in 1845. So, that was a lot, but basically what I really got from it was, like, from the beginning, they started, like, claiming more and more land that they didn't actually buy, or just... They, they wanted to create their own lines of this is where this country is at the very least, you know? Yeah. And so it's crazy how it goes from, like, a plan and something that the president said, and then it became something that the president and the, the like, press was saying so that it really became public conviction of, like, yeah, that is our land. We should be able to explore it. It is our destiny to, like, go out and explore it and be the pioneers, you know? Yeah. And it's just mind-blowing. Yeah, it really is crazy. And also, what I thought whenever you read that, and I think I thought this when I read it too, was whenever he talks about buying it from Napoleon and stuff, it confuses me on how someone owned it. Yeah, I guess like someone owned it. Or was it all of France? Yeah. I'm so confused. <laughs> that is very true. It's just like, um, because like they made the Louisiana Purchase, but like they're tr- they literally went into Mexico's borders slash like Spain's territory borders before Mexico got its independence, and are saying yeah. like this is our land because we bought it from France. Where does like France come into play at all? Yeah. Um. Another thing that really stood out to me when I was reading this chapter was, um, like, specifically the Texas history that is taught in this chapter, because I remember learning Texas history. Like, I remember being in school learning most of these things, um, but from a different lens. So, I learned when Mexico got its independence. I learned when Texas started being, uh, like, settled, you know? Yeah. I learned when Texans fought for their independence and how they became their own free country. And then I learned how they became part of the United States. You know, like, I remember learning all of these things, but I learned it from a completely different lens. Um, that was kind of just treating it as things that happened in history. Yeah. And not really explaining the steps that happened. You know, like... Not it, it, not really explaining that this is, like, putting into perspective, like, this is how many people were killed. This is, this was a 
a non-slave country, you know, like slavery was not allowed in Mexico and people still brought slaves in and then tried to take that land away from Mexico, which is yeah. crazy to think about, but that's what happened. And I just didn't learn it like that, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, it is. And it, I don't, that's what I had thought while reading it too, because I was thinking, and I really was just, didn't know if, if it was that or if it was just that I like didn't remember, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it was just really crazy to read it. Like, especially when it just gives like numbers, you know? Yeah. Or um, it reminds me of, I was watching something the other day. I can't even remember what I was watching, but it caught my attention because it was like an American and uh, I don't even know. I think it was like they were in Japan. And I think it was like a Japanese person. And wherever they were, um, the like American person was like, oh, like this is where we are. Like, um, so this many Americans like died here during this war or whatever. And then the guy like looks at him and he's like, well, like this many Japanese citizens died. And it was like so many more. Like it was like. 10,000 compared to like 100,000 or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was just like, ooh, like what you hear and then what happened over here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, crazy. that's what that reminded me of. Yeah. I'm like, that's not going to be a good story in there because I'm just like, I don't even know what show I'm talking about. And <laughs> I'm like, yeah, some guy said it and this other guy. And I think it was Japan. <laughs> Karina knows no details about this story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh my my gosh. (laughs) It's because I feel like it was Karate Kid because we've been watching the Karate Kid movies. But. (laughs) Are you you guys going to watch? What's that show? Cobra Kai? Yeah. Girl, we already watched it. (laughs) (laughs) Is that why you're going back? (laughs) That's why we watched it because I had only ever seen the Jaden Smith karate kid mm-hmm. i never saw like the original ones mm-hmm. and but we watched we started watching the show like since it came out like the first season and remember the other day when i told you i was watching the last of the season for now <laughs> <laughs> it was so good for Finale, we were like, Korea and it was like, was like the tournament. <laughs> it was in the tournament. I was like, nah, I gotta tell it. To hold it. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I feel like this probably is new. And then I told Alondra the other day, like it's funny because I asked some of my students, like some, I think there were seventh graders. I was like, oh, like, what's y'all's favorite show? And they're like, Cobra Kai. And I'm like, it's a good show. <laughs> Did you feel like uh, a cool teacher? <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't tell them I watched it. I was just, but in my head, I was like, dang. <laughs> but, uh, so, been, anyways. Like, in my head, I would have given such an old lady response because I would have been like, yes, 
I know what the kids like nowadays. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? But, so we did have to go back and watch the original since the the characters are from the original movies. Yeah, I get you. And, anyways, yeah. So this is on page 110 for my Kindle version. But, um, I'm going to read it first and then I'll tell you what I'm thinking. So it says, I think we need to acknowledge our complicity in the roles that we've played historically, that our forebearers have played, and understand that Latinx people are both the protagonists in historical justice and the progeny of colonization. I probably said that progeny word wrong, just so you guys know. Um, (laughs) However, I really love that because I feel like As a Latina, I see so many things that are amazing about, like, Latinx people. And I'm very proud to be a Latinx person. You know what I mean? Like, I'm very, very proud to be a Latina. But at the same time, I still acknowledge the things that we have that are, like, not the best in our Latinx communities. You know what I mean? Like, the misogyny that can be inside of it. Yeah. Um, like, you know, the racism, stuff like that, like, and so, I think, I know that's not what they're saying specifically, because what they're talking about is, like, the role that other Latinx people can play in history, and, like, yeah. those issues, but I think it can be applied to all, like, current issues that we have, and being able to acknowledge those as a community, so that we can also acknowledge the other hardships we face from outside of the community, yeah <clears throat> and then complicity is just like i don't know it's um <laughs> i don't know what i was gonna say well it's important because i feel like we can like currently we can play complicit roles in different things yeah and so it's kind of like it does acknowledge like the need historically to have not been so complicit in things, but then the need for now to not be complicit in acknowledging our history, but also acknowledging, like, the positive things from ourselves. Yes. 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 Um, okay. Um, oh my goodness. I really liked learning about the, um, like, the Chicano, like, the history of the phrase Chicano and Chicana. Oh, yeah, that was interesting. Although, okay, so, like, something that I... I can't find the quote that I specifically highlighted for this, but I wanted your Mm -hmm. opinion about it, was... I can't remember where it was, so it's going to bug me, but it was something along the lines of um, saying how, like, people distance themselves from their nationality. Like, Mexicans, we distance ourselves from saying we're Mexican. Um, yeah. By saying we're Chicano, Chicana, or Latinx, or Latino, or something, you know? Because yeah. we tend to group together all of the, like, the Latin American countries, you know what I mean? And I wanted your opinion on it because I feel like it's hard because it's like, I'm not, I'm proud to be Mexican, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I'm not trying to distance myself from being Mexican, I just feel like it's a term that I don't necessarily feel like I've earned the right to have, if that makes sense. Yeah. You, 
Yeah, I feel that way too. Or like not like I don't feel like I earned it. Or more just like I don't want Mexican people who were like born in Mexico and mm-hmm. raised or just born even um to be like, oh, you're not Mexican. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're American, but mm-hmm. you're Mex. I don't know. Or like, you know, or you're Mexican-American. So, I don't know. I guess I just, I feel like I just do it because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. And I feel But like, that's what you're saying, kind of? Yeah, because, I mean, I feel like I'm, <clears throat> not only am I not born in Mexico, but, like, I haven't been there that often. I've been there yeah. maybe maybe a handful of times in my entire life. Yeah. I don't know Spanish. I don't even know much about the history of Mexico. I don't know much about, like, the specific culture of Mexico itself, which I acknowledge is probably different than the culture that I know here in Dallas, Texas. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. It's just, I feel like I don't have the right to. But I am, like, Mexican, you know what I mean? Like, my mom's from Mexico. So I acknowledge that, especially in the United States, I guess that's the thing, is that I have to be, like, I'm not just a citizen of the United States because there's so many layers to my identity. Identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then I also feel like a lot of times when I'm speaking... It's just, for example, if I'm if I'm speaking about Hispanic people, that's just from everywhere. I'm not gonna just like list out like all these nationalities. You know what I mean? But yeah. I guess that's in referring to a group of people and not just myself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Cause I feel like I don't, I don't, I wouldn't really. Yeah, because I feel like when people ask me, I do say, I'll, I'll, I'll say, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm Hispanic. But it's for exactly for, like, the reason I said. Not because I'm ashamed. I'm not ashamed either. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I wonder, like, why they came to that conclusion. Well, I think whenever I read it, I thought of in Pedro's theory when, you know how he was, like, kind of ashamed or he was just, like... He wasn't ashamed to say he was, like, Puerto Rican, but he was ashamed to say he was Mexican just because of the stereotypes that Mexicans get here in the U.S. or of being... Because that's... At least that's what was my initial thought, was maybe just for um, Mexicans or Mexican-Americans who um, went through discrimination like that, you know? Yeah, that's very um, true because I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's maybe different responses because, yeah. especially, like, because of the communities that we were able to grow up in, you know what I mean? Because yeah. Like, like we acknowledged in Pedro's theory, like, I grew up in a predominantly people of color, but also, like, Mexican community or like Latinx community, just because I'm sure there's so many different things ethnicities or you know nationalities yeah yeah um Um, exactly so like that's yeah that was my first thought when i when i think i i think whenever i (laughs) 
when you read it. I think when I read it, yes. Um, was that was that it was for people who had experienced like that? I guess experiences similar to um, Marcos Gonzalez. Oh, that's a really good perspective. <laughs> I'm telling you, I feel like I draw so many comparisons in in like all these books. I like how we've been able to connect things in different books, but it's because of all the experiences, obviously from this book. You know what I mean? Yes, it just Oh my goodness. Yes, um I feel I was going to say this later, but I feel like this book has touched on almost every single topic that we have talked about and or yes. will talk about. Um and I yeah. love the way it's tied together um the different things just in the sense of because we gained those like the knowledge from those other books we are able to read this book and understand it even better which is amazing yes i guess that's yes. how knowledge works you know that's what yeah me and kim were talking about this before um we recorded the first <clears throat> part of this um and how well, I feel like I would have loved to read this book at the end if I would have known how it was going to kind of tie everything together. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I okay. had told Kim. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I had that I had told you, um, how it was like, yeah, I'm pretty much just what we were saying, how everything that they experienced in like the other books is mentioned here and, it's just like everything that happens in this book is why all like why all of these authors are minorities or why we are minorities like you know yeah it's like and it's just crazy because it's all in one book <laughs> like, real, it touched on every single race that we talked about <laughs> yes and it was it was so much information it's crazy i feel like what i was gonna say is um i agree that in terms of like maybe lining up the books it would have been a little bit better to like read them all and then this one in terms of just yeah. having an even deeper understanding while we're reading it but i feel like this is like the kind of book that you can go back and read and you would learn something completely different each yeah time. for sure oh my gosh imagine reading this book in like 20 years i know that'd be crazy and the perspective that you would have given that I, I'm, I mean, the state of the U.S. would be so different because you think about, like, 20 years ago, it was so different. Yes, exactly. And just, I feel like, like, if I, if I had the actual book, I feel, well, like, I'd be, like, highlighting so much and just, like, taking notes. I feel like I would love to actually take notes on the, like, like, from the book onto a notebook page, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to highlight so bad, but I didn't have a highlighter. <laughs> but I did, like, mark where my notes were, er, but I don't have anything written. I just kind of, like, put lines, like, mm-hmm. or, like, brackets around oh, things. Yeah. Like, actually study the book. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, I know. It would be so, so You sound good. like such nerds. <laughs> But no, I'm uh, telling you, it's just that interesting. If you read it, yeah. you'll know. And if you really, like, took your time, because, I mean, we're kind of on a schedule, so we don't, I guess, we don't have a, as much time to sit down with it as we would like. Yeah. 
Yeah, in general, I mean, I feel like even if I wasn't doing this, I would love to do that with this book, but I don't know yeah. if I actually would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah same. <laughs> um, it's like, oh yeah, that's a dream of mine. I would love to do that. I have time tomorrow, but I won't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, okay, so it's this book, and then the, I don't know if you guys remember the book Hood Feminism that I mentioned back in the very <laughs> first episode. I uh, just finished it. (laughs) Oh, yay. Oh, my gosh. How was it? It was so good, but it was like this. That's why it was that good, though. You know, like, I learned that much from it. Um, So I would highly suggest it to anybody. But anyways, but it was one of those that I would love to, like, go through and actually really study. But I'm probably not going to do it. The most I'll do is read it through one more time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know, that's probably what would happen with this one, too. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay, so those were kind of my thoughts from Chapter 4. Did you want to take us on to Chapter 5? Do you want to give us a little yeah. Um, thing? Yeah. Um, let me find it. Okay. Okay, so Chapter 5, Irish, Irish Settling... Traces the history of the English colonization of Ireland that led to the 1840s famine and the first mass migration to the United States. So, my first thing is on um, page 127. Do you have anything before that? Because I think there's a lot of pages before that. <laughs> um, let me see. Or, is there? Mm, no, because yeah, I mean, I'm me. on 115. So, I mean, that's like the end of chapter uh, 4, so... Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, my chapter 5 starts on 121, so it's like... Okay, no, the first thing I have is 129, so... Okay, perfect then. Um, so, it's really interesting... Okay, so, on page 127, the last paragraph, um, the sentence is, most refugees... Oh, hold on, wait... Okay, yeah. Most refugees from Ireland's famine arrived in the United States nearly destitute with few skills. Settling in northeastern cities, they took whatever unschooled jobs they could find, working on the docks, pushing carts, digging canals, and building the railroad, as well as petty theft and prostitution. Um, but I thought it was just interesting how it talked about, like, low-skilled jobs and... I was on Twitter, like, literally the same day that I read that page. Mm-hmm. And I saw someone that I follow like this tweet. And when I read the tweet, I liked it. And guess who tweeted it? Who? Marcos Gonzalez, the one that wrote Pedro's Theory. <gasps> oh, my God, that's crazy. Crazy, right? Okay, yes. so the tweet is... <laughs> There is no such thing as low-skill labor. My farm worker Mexican father is skilled, talented, and knowledgeable. My Mexican grandmother who made and sold tortillas, likewise. Low-skill labor is a neoliberal colonial capitalist myth used to justify cruel and violent systems. So that's the first tweet. And then he goes on like, like it's like a small thread. And he has a few more tweets that go with it. But, um... I was just like, that's so true. Like, over here in the book, it's talking about how they got, how they have low-skilled jobs. But then it's like, digging canals and building the railroad. And I'm like, that's amazing. (laughs) But. I know. 
But I like, understand. Go ahead. Say. I was going to say, I understand they probably mean like, I don't know, I guess you didn't go to college or something, but it's still like... No, because I, I highly know. doubt by that no. time people, a lot of people were even going to college, you know? Yeah, right? This was, Is this before college? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 1841, right? Yeah. No, honestly, it was low skill because... It was, like, something that they, like, a job that people had that they thought were, like, stupid. Or, like, you know what I mean? They thought of them as low skill, so their jobs were low skill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then, um, like, Marcos Gonzalez goes on to say how people can say, like, they're important because they're the jobs that no one else wants. But he's, like, it's still, like, a bad mentality because they're important because people are like people do them like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who or what's what it is <laughs> yeah um yeah no for real because literally if you're working full-time you're putting in 40 hours worth of work you know what i mean yeah and so how is that low skill you know what i mean like that's exactly yeah. what everybody else is doing yes and that's a skill that maybe someone else is not, doesn't know how to do. I don't, definitely don't know how to build a canal or dig a canal. Hell yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. anyways, and I just thought it was so cool that that tweet was by Marcos Gonzalez. And Good I was point, just like, Marcos. whoa. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Okay. And then... So the only thing that I had, which was on 129, was um, the stigma of Catholicism was resolved through settler colonial extreme patriotism, which they came to embrace. And so I just thought that was super interesting because I feel like that is how a lot of like immigrants acted in order to get acceptance. You know what I mean? They yeah. In order to get acceptance, they felt like they had to have this extreme patriotism and so much of I'm proud to be American I'm proud to do this you know like this is the American dream you know now that that phrase started being coined for to live here right and so they do that in order to be accepted I believe like I can see that happening yeah um and to go along with like patriotism I don't know where in here it talks about but it's like whenever they talked about how they didn't want, I don't even remember who didn't want it, but like they didn't like people identifying as, for example, like Irish American or Mexican American because it was like your loyalty was not with, they just wanted you to say American. Oh, yeah. Because they thought it was not like patriotic or whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa, that's crazy. And then that's how, like, the white race started, it said, specifically Mm -hmm. for, I guess, saying, like, Irish-American and, like, I don't know, what's other? Yeah, (laughs) Italian-American. Yeah, yeah. And so I was just like, whoa, whenever whenever it talked about how it was, like, that's pretty much how, like, the term, like, white people came about. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, the U.S. started that. And, like. (laughs) <laughs> that's terrible <laughs> you're like embarrassed <laughs> yeah yeah 
<clears throat> but, um, yeah, yeah, that's so crazy. Uh, I think I was clicking my pen the whole time I was saying that. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's okay. the next point well, you have? I'll see. Uh, I'll mine see was on 132. Okay. Let me see. I don't even know what it was. Okay. 132, like the top paragraph, it talks about... So there was like discrimination based on religion, as in expulsion of Catholics from public office because they weren't Protestant. Um, so basically like, I guess, wait, where am I reading this? Okay, so, like, for the immigrants that were here, um, yeah, so, like, they were, the expulsion of Catholics in favor of Protestantism, and it was just interesting to, like, it just, it also reminded me of not about the burqa and, or, like, just the Muslim faith in general, and how, like, all three of these are worshiping the same god but there's still these like three big um, different religions and discrimination between the three yeah that's just like doesn't make sense to me yes because it's like um i feel like all three of these religions preach um for like love and like acceptance yeah. And then to see that not coming from, all, like, some, if not all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is that what you're trying to say? Or am I way off? No, yeah. But I guess it was just, like, between the religions themselves and not just, like, random people, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, the history but yeah. of it. The history. Yeah, because it's just like, yeah, it's just like interesting. I don't know. But I guess I understand because, well, not I understand, but like, I know there's differences between them. You know, it's not like they're all exactly the same. Mm -hmm. They have like major differences, but um, I don't know. You would think people could just be like, oh, okay, like, yeah, we might have differences, but we worship the same God, so at least... That's, like, a pro. You know, we should be able to be friends. Like, you know? <laughs> like, I, I don't know, but... I agree. Like, that's just what... what. Like, yeah. how are y'all not gonna let Catholics be in office, but let Protestants, when it's, like... I don't know. It's just, like, interesting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For sure. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So, that was that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I feel like that didn't come out very eloquently, but I think the point came across. Oh, hell yeah. Your point definitely came across. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So I think my next thing's not till chapter 7, so... Okay. Mm -hmm. 180. Oh, yeah. I think chapter 6 is the one that we both didn't have anything right. Yeah, but I will say... So, like... Um... It was just, okay, it was crazy to me 
whenever I started thinking about the fact that Columbus did not even discover America. Why do we have a Columbus Day? I know, I know. Greenham. That blew my mind. <laughs> I know. It was like he landed like in the Caribbean? Or the yes. Bahamas, right? Something yes. Like that. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. And then like oh my gosh, this past Columbus Day, well, Indigenous Peoples Day, you know, there was like the people that didn't want to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, they were on social media like, Happy Columbus Day. It's Columbus Day. Like, all angry. <laughs> and it's like, dude, do you even know that he didn't even land here? <laughs> yes. That's and so like, funny. It's crazy to think about how they were, like, using him, though, to... Um, and that's why they pushed the idea of him discovering America or, like, us having a day for him. Was yeah. just so that they could be accepted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're talking about Columbus because chapter six is called Americanizing Columbus. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Give them a little. Give them a little info. Yeah. So, um, chapter six. Okay. Chapter six, Americanizing Columbus, tells the story of European immigrants, mostly Catholic and Jewish, who were considered not quite white. Not quite white. Um. <clears throat> but it does talk a lot about Columbus. Mm-hmm. Let me turn it back over there. Clearly our minds were blown about a few of the things. <laughs> yeah. I've just learned some things in this book that I was just like, whoa. Okay, for example, I don't even remember where it talks about it either. But they talk about the Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. And how when they were created, they were like racist. Oh, Yeah. And so that's crazy. Sorry. Right? And it just made me think of like the baseball team that we have. Oh my god. The Texas Rangers. I think you have a Texas Rangers shirt, don't you, Karina? Do you? Am I tripping? I don't know. I don't think so. (laughs) Maybe. I might. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because, I mean, I've been to a Texas Rangers game, but it's been a long time. Mm -hmm. But, um,. Anyways, it just made me think of, like, that and just how, like, I don't know. It's so ingrained in our culture. We don't even know. You don't even know. Yeah, that's exactly. Like, you don't even know. Girl, that's crazy. crazy. Do you know? Because when you said it, I was just like, yeah, that's crazy. And then when you said the baseball team, I was like, the baseball team. Exactly. Like... And you would think that one day you would be like, hmm, why are they called the Texas Rangers? But, like, no. You don't You don't even think about it. Well, it's because I feel like I know why they're called the Texas Rangers because I know there are Texas Rangers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think of the problematic history of Texas Rangers and the harm that they've caused. So having our baseball team named after them is a little weird. Exactly. Yeah. So if you don't know, the baseball team in... Arlington, um, but slash Dallas, I don't know, um, is called the Texas Strangers. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, I was just about to be like, yeah, it's the baseball team for Texas, but then I realized there's the Houston Astros too. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. they're so big over here. Why? Why are they called the Texas? Oh wait, they're called Texas Rangers because they're Texas Rangers. <laughs> 
<laughs> you were just about to ask why when we just talked about yes, it. Yes, exactly. But is it because I was like, why are we claiming all of Texas? <laughs> but never mind. Oh my gosh. Do you have from chapter 7? Um, I'm on page 80. Okay, well, I guess let me give the little thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. But, let's oh see. My chapter God. 7. Kina, I feel like it's been so long since I've laughed like that. <laughs> I know. It's been a good recording today. Just because it's been so funny. <laughs> exactly. We're, like, not going to be able to use any of this, but we have a good I know, time. right? For real. Um, okay. So the seventh chapter, Yellow Peril, interrogates the origins and staying power of the Western panic against Asian immigrants, starting in medieval Europe to the U.S.-Chinese Exclusion Act of May 6, 1882, and into the 21st century. So, 180. Okay. That's where my first thing is at. And... Okay, so let me see. So, so this book, like, it also talks about COVID. So that's really interesting because it, like, is we're still happening. <laughs> it's still happening. Oh my goodness. Um, but okay, so the like little quote that I wrote down was that. So Berkeley stu- Berkeley's student health center said um, what page that fear. 180. Okay, sorry. Okay, go ahead. Okay, fear of interacting with those who might be from Asia is a common and normal reaction. I remember that. And I'm just like, why? Like, it doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, But I'm trying to see when this happened because... Okay, so that was, like, recently. Because, so, let me read the beginning. When COVID-19 appeared in the liberal San Francisco Bay Area... The University of California Berkeley Student Health Center stated that fear of interacting with those who might be from Asia is a common and normal reaction to fears of the virus. And it's just crazy to me that they would say that. And Yeah, that's insane. It feels like, was nobody there to be like, that That doesn't seem like quite a normal response. Right? Like, I did not... First of all, I didn't hear about it, which is crazy. (laughs) And then second of all, it's like, why is it normal? And if it's normal for you, are you okay? Because that shouldn't be normal. Like, how many Asians are you going to interact with that are born here? You know what I mean? Like, you could interact with some that are born here, and then your discrimination is just, like, way like it's just crazy and then even if they're not born here it's still unnecessary yeah yeah it just it feels because it's like especially with something like covid you could catch it from anyone it does not matter who you are interacting with or um like what your thoughts about them are if they have covid you can still get covid so why is it that one set of people deserve to be like thought of or suspected more than others? It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any logical sense. So yeah. it feels unnecessary and it feels 
as if it's something more than actual fear. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, it's just so stupid. I don't know. There's like no other word. Yeah. I totally but agree. I don't know. It was just crazy when I read that. Like I just could not believe that they someone would say that or think that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's insane. Um, let me see. This whole oh my goodness, Karina. This chapter was so good because it. Yeah. It because I don't know that much. Um, like Asian history, Chinese history, Japanese history, you know, all of these different places' history. Yeah. To even, like, I learned so much. This is crazy during this chapter. Yeah. Yeah. So much. Me too. Um, I have quite a few for this chapter, actually. Go ahead. I can't wait. Okay. Um, so my next one is on page 191. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty much talking about the Chinese Exclusion Act. Um, and how the Chinese Exclusion, Exclusion Act was the very first um, immigration law that was here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so it's just so interesting for the very first immigration law was so racist and literally had the word exclusion in the title Mm -hmm. and then for the u.s to go and be like yeah but we're a nation of immigrants and like i don't know it's just it was so wrong whenever they were saying that because it's never it's never welcomed in people it's only yeah (laughs) it's only caused hurt and I don't know. I guess, like, reading this book, you're like, okay, well, yeah, but the reason they're saying they're a nation of immigrants is because they're counting the European people as immigrants, but it's like there weren't immigrants, so they were settlers, as we learned in this book. Yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, as Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz says, um, they're not immigrants because they didn't try and, um, like, assimilate. Adopt the culture. Yes, assimilate yeah. or adopt the culture that they were that they came into they created their own culture on top yeah. by killing so that's why they wouldn't be considered immigrants yeah yeah and i don't know just i don't know for it to be the very first immigration law is just i don't know it's yeah it feels hateful <laughs> you know it, feels it, it does um yeah, yeah. uh and um thing? Okay, so my next thing was on page 194, Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, we kind of already touched on it, so you really don't have to, (laughs) but all I was thinking was how if the U.S. was never born, the white race wouldn't have existed, and I'm just like, imagine what the world would be like if there was no United States. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm thankful that there is because I'm here you know, but um, I can't help but wonder if there would be, I guess, like a more united world or what, you know? Well, I felt like, I'm going to say no, because British existed before America, you know? So, yeah, and Spain, all those countries that was really out there colonizing all over. That's so true. Because basically, trade. 
they created the U.S., so. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but, I know what you mean because of all the, because what I was thinking is all the countries that the United States has touched, like, everywhere they've gone, they just cause a ruckus, and they cause horrible things to happen from their history that are still impacting yeah. them to this day. So imagine, like you said, if the United States never existed and they never touched those countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say it would be interesting to get a perspective of someone who was in the U.S. military because, I don't know, it would just be different. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it'd be super... I mean, I feel like... Yeah. I mean, they witnessed what happened, (laughs) you know? Yeah, no, but I definitely do. It would just be like total opposite. It would. It it being I feel like it'd be so crazy to just get so many different people's perspectives because so many people see the same thing so many different ways because of yeah how they were raised or I guess like the lens that they're looking at it. Like I said, whenever I first learned about Texas history, I looked at it through a different lens than the one I'm looking through it now. And I had yeah. two totally different opinions learning that history. Mm-hmm. But there's someone who's had a completely different life than me and would learn that same thing or would read this book and think something different. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. The world is crazy. I know. Um, okay. Mm. I think... Oh, yeah, I still have more. I still, I have two more for that one. But all I was going to say, well, one of them is just, it talks, this chapter talks about how, like, the Nazis drew their, admired the U.S. and their racial dilemmas, I guess, and. Oh, with the eugenics? Yeah. And I was just like, whoa, that's scary. Girl. They said a little miss ortiz said a little too often that the nazis drew inspiration from the united states yes from my comfort <laughs> no yeah uh, that was that was just scary mm-hmm. um and then mm-hmm. so the last thing i have was on page 209 and it's about the soldiers in Vietnam and how um, just all the people that were ki- killed over there, um, and like as in Vietnam citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like 504 villagers of my life. One hundred eighty-two of them women, seventeen pregnant, one hundred seventy-three children, including fifty-six infants. Um, yeah. And, anyways, going down, it talks about. Um, oh wait, I'm how, so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say. Um, I think I said it last episode, but that's the. Um, if not. Um, this is a part that made me think of the fact that in my history class, I learned um, that the Vietnam War was the first war to be, like, um, recorded and played into, like, the 
America's TVs, you know? Like, they could actually see first yes. what was happening in the war. Yes. Did I, I say that last time? That. Yeah, you said that. Okay. But, yeah, it this is the part you. that I was thinking about whenever mm, I read it. Okay. Because this is the war, you know I mean? The Vietnam War. They yes. were seeing... The United States citizens were seeing these horrible things happen. Where They were seeing these people get killed. So that when the Vietnam veterans came home, they were being treated completely different than past veterans have been treated. Yeah. And I think that it's crazy because as a result... From that, the United States started censoring what we as citizens see of wartime coverage. And I think that that has made a switch in the way that we treat veterans, which is like, I think veterans are listening to their orders, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, like, resp- I, I will always have respect for them. But, yeah. um, like, I think... It, would, it might be different actually seeing what's going on in these different countries and seeing the civilians getting killed that are getting killed yeah. because of different bombs or different things that we do when we have war, when we do things, acts of violence or acts of war. Yeah. Yeah, it never really made sense to me because, um, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me to be like, you would be outraged if something like that happened here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then to go and do it somewhere else is just like, hmm? I think it's really an but. example of um, not seeing, like it, okay, so you remember that Black Mirror episode where they're like, they're in war and they mm-hmm. have like brainwashed those the soldiers to see those people yeah. as completely different creatures? Like they yes. think of them as like zombies. I yeah. feel like that's an example of what happens is that you see these people as so not even human because if you saw yeah. them as human, you'd have to acknowledge the fact that you killed somebody's life or, you know what I mean? Like that these yes. are the things that are happening because of the actions that you're taking, <clears throat> which I'm sure is messing with a lot of soldiers' minds, you know? Yeah, that's so true because that's, you know how I told you about that lady that worked with my sister who was, uh, had been in the military and she, like, didn't want to be with any Muslim patients because she was like, we were just trained that they're the enemy. Mm-hmm. And so that's crazy. Like, when she told me that, I was like, that's crazy. And so, yeah, you're right. Um, but that's, I don't know, it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's something that you can't even picture, so. Yes. Um, but what I was going to say was, I don't even know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, okay. But, yeah, we can go to chapter 8 now. Okay. I have a lot. Okay. I don't. I have, like, three. Okay. Well, one of them might be the conclusion, but I think it's not. Um, mm. But, yeah. Oh, wait. Chapter 8 is where it says, talks about how we... Uh, Many young Mexican Americans prefer to call themselves Hispanic or Latin, Latino, or in the twenty first century, oh, yeah. Latinx. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, chapter eight, the final chapter, of the border, argues that since the early twentieth century, immigrants hating, immigrant hating in the United States is primarily about Mexicans, not Latinos, not Latinos in general. And is directly related to the unsettled border established in nineteen, I mean, in eighteen forty-eight, when the U.S. annexed half of Mexico. 
So yeah. chapter eight, what's your first thing? Because um, I only have two in chapter eight, and then I have one in her. Okay, let me see. My first thing was... Real quickly, I wanted to mention, <laughs> last episode you, you made a comment about like wondering if there are any states that have more minorities than oh, yeah. white people. And I saw this TikTok that was saying how um, it was it was um, kind of posed the question of why um, Latinos still have to put white people on different documents. Uh-huh. You know how legally we're classified as white, and yeah. so like on different documents we still have to put white, and then it asks us whether or not we're Latino or you know ethnicity. Yeah. Yes, um, it was saying that they still want us to have to put white because they don't want there to be more minorities than white people. You know what I mean? Mm, Interesting. And so I was thinking about that and I was like, well, that's true because we would always be counted as white. Um, But I also felt like they would still distinguish between like white and then white not that are Latino, but still, you know what I mean? It's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. I didn't think about that, but hmm, that's not surprising. <laughs> For real. <laughs> um, the next part I wanted to talk about was uh, t- in chapter 8. It starts on page 235 and kind of ends on page 236 in the Kindle. And it was mm-hmm. talking about in Tendango County, um, the Lemon Grove school district that was trying to build segregated schools but then the courts ruled that they couldn't well they were trying to segregate um like latinos like mexican immigrants from yeah uh like white students and they were trying to create segregated schools but the courts ruled against it because they only acknowledged three races at that time which was black white and yellow and so because mexicans mm. were not in any think but white like that's what we were counted as you couldn't segregate on anything else but you can segregate on race like that was that was perfectly fine but they just said you couldn't segregate on anything else so yeah and and then like that goes to show the touch the point that i was making about that yes yes i love the connections mm-hmm. <laughs> all right that i had was on page 238 uh-huh and it was talking about um, like the different deportation, like I was beginning to talk about like the different deportation things that they've been doing to Mexican people. Yeah. And so, uh, it said, so it was like talking about how like they like would get, like they were trying to get mad about like Mexicans taking jobs from, from people, you know? Yeah. And so they tried to make it harder. So it says, in El Paso, Texas, Anglo locals demanded that the entry be closed during morning hours to prevent local commuters from the Mexico city of Juarez from walking across the bridge to go to their jobs in El Paso. Which, petty. Petty. Just let them I walk know. over and go to their job. But anyways. I know. And all over, local relief agencies gave lists of Mexicans to INS officials. That's what ICE used to be called. For deportation including legal residents with Anglo-characterizing Mexican immigrants as lazy, dependent, diseased, illiterate, delinquent, and unwilling to assimilate. And I want to say 
that that is like something that they always say about um like immigrants you know like that they're lazy they're dependent yeah. stuff like that but i think one of the but things then they're that, stealing the jobs yes are exactly. they lazy or are they stealing jobs which one exactly but mm-hmm. anyways oh well not anyways but also i think something that's like that again is touching that i touched on the book is the one of the biggest things that they say on here in my opinion is the unwilling to assimilate part because they want immigrants to assimilate as much as possible they want them to yeah fall into the system and say like yes i'm and descendant of Columbus, you know, like, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I belong it's, here. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay, so that kind of, like, reminds me of, you know, how we were talking about earlier about, um, well, wait, I guess that's not really related, actually. What? <laughs> I wasn't talking about how we were talking about earlier, um, whether we call ourselves, like, Mexican or Hispanic or Latino or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made me think about... I was seeing on... Um, was it Reddit? Mm-hmm. I think it was Reddit. But they were, they were talking about why do Americans... Someone was saying, like, why do Americans, like, want to be... Like, try so hard to be... Like, it it was specifically about, um, they were specifically saying, like, why do people say, oh, you're, I'm Mexican-American, or I'm Irish-American, or something like that, and they were trying to say, like, yeah, but, because I think it was, like, some Italian or Irish people, and they were, like, they're not even Irish, like, they've never been to Ireland, they've never been, they don't know anything about the culture, and, like, they're, like, they just want to, like, claim it so bad, but we don't see we don't like we don't think of them as irish we just think of them as americans Mm -hmm. and that's what kind of made me like that also made me like go to like what i was saying about why i wouldn't say i'm mexican and why i say i was mexican-american though you know because then people in the comments that were americans were saying like oh well over there since like there's so many different races or ethnicities like Mm-hmm. most of the time people are just saying that so you know like what ethnicity they are mm-hmm. and then they were replying in the comments like oh okay like that makes sense but it was just interesting to me that they were just thinking like oh like y'all want to be from our country so bad mm-hmm. um and then i don't know i don't really think that really? relates to what we were talking about <laughs> Um, mine is on 265, mm-hmm. and it's just talking about, um, so it talks about the Trump administration, um, and how, you know, they're separating, um, thousands of families at the border, and it says about 8,000 families were separated, um, children, even infants taken away, housed in makeshift structures, many enclosed in cages, and, um, this, you know, they talk about, um, this also happening in the Obama administration and the Bush administration. And so since she says 8,000 families, um, I was just thinking, like, I would want to know the number for the other two previous administrations that, um, that, I mean, you know, recently, obviously, we 
I, I mean, I guess back then I was too young to really pay attention to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously it was a big thing with the Trump administration. But um, yeah. So yeah, that was just interesting. Because <laughs> I, I feel like, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, like, it was interesting because I feel like, like, I've seen some pictures, um, I saw some pictures during the Trump administration of people saying, like, oh, this is happening, blah, blah, blah. But then the pictures would be from the past, like, from when Obama was president. And so I was just like, oh, like, there's just so much that I don't know because I feel like I was just too young. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, or we didn't... It wasn't told the same way. You know what I mean? Because, like, yeah. I feel like um, Obama was thought of to be a, such a progressive president that yeah. there wasn't a, a lot of things that they showed. You know, just, like, there's mm-hmm. probably a lot, not a lot of things that they showed even with Trump being president, you know? Yeah. I think it was, again, a different lens that you were looking through, you know? hmm Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, um, I'd be super interested in the numbers as well, just as a comparison. Yeah. Yeah, same. But that was it for chapter eight. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I say real quickly over the whole book? It was yeah. insane to me the knowledge that Roxanne Dunbar Keith had about the native communities and like how many uh-huh. there were, where they were, how. It was crazy because I couldn't have told you nearly half of that information that she told us in the book. Yeah, I know. And then also just the amount of research I'm sure she put into the bis- this book too. Yes. I mean, just, just think like, about all the notes that she left of like oh my this gosh. book in reference to this book in reference it's to this book. It's literally so big. Like, literally this whole bad part is all her freaking... Um, like references. That's so crazy. Like the book ends on page two eighty three, and her references. Oh wait, no, because there's an end index. So mm-hmm. never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> but her notes end on page like two forty. No, I mean three forty. So that's like sixty pages of notes. Hell yeah. And references. But anyways. Okay. The conclusion. Okay, but your first one in the conclusion, mine's is on 272. Okay, mine's on 273 and then 274, so go okay. ahead. Oh, well, mine's is 272, 73, so maybe okay. ours is, like, the same one. We'll see. Okay. Maybe. Mine says, I'm going to read the quote first, and then I'll tell you my thoughts. Okay. So it says, Meta questions the presumed U.S. reader to consider how frequently... The U.S. military has gone over its southern border or into the Caribbean or Southeast Asia, going over the borders of Iraq or Afghanistan. The United States has not acted lawfully with other nations, including the Native American nation, on its soil through most of the 19th and 20th centuries. How can it now expect the human victims of their enormous illegality to obey the laws? of the United States and stay home or wait 30 years for the visa to rejoin their families. How? How? And just so you know, in this part, the author is um, 
quoting Suketum Medha. He wrote a book after his family immigrated from Mumbai, India. But yeah, um, I feel like that was just a really good question to ask yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Especially for the people that are like, Ugh, we don't care if you come, just do it the right way. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, it's so easy. Yes, exactly. Ugh, I know, they don't even know. Okay. <sighs> yeah, so mine is also talks about meta, but, um, or, I don't even know who that is, I'm not gonna lie. Because, okay, okay, let me see. It's the author of This Land is Our Land, an Immigrant's Manifesto. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so, page 273, Meta proposes that the United States and other Western countries pay reparations. If the rich, quote, if the rich countries don't want the poor countries to migrate, then there's another solution. Pay them what they're owed. Pay the costs of colonialism, of the wars you imposed on them, of the inequality you built into the world order, and the carbon you put in the atmosphere. Settle the account, and the creditors will have no reason to come to your house. And I'm just like, yes. Yes. And it's like reparations or migration. Choose. Yes. And I feel like I loved how, um, when you were reading that, I loved how he mentioned... And when I was reading it, sorry, also when I first read it, I loved how he mentioned in the carbon you've put into the atmosphere because um, I feel like whenever I learn a lot about the need to conserve energy, I often hear about um, how it's kind of hard for us as the United States to be saying to these countries that are trying to build their industrial power up and trying to build their economy up, um, yeah. hey, you need to be concerned about the environment and not do X, Y, and Z when X, Y, and Z is the cheapest option for them to do. Um, and so if we pay forward what because of the carbon that we've put into the atmosphere, that will be able to allow them to afford the technologies that will help the atmosphere and help the earth. Um, because then they'll have the money, the disposable income to spend it on these technologies or spend it on the research or spend it on um helping the environment yeah yeah yes Ugh. it was just so good it was such a good book i loved <laughs> so it so good oh my gosh okay did you have any more i have one i don't have any more okay okay all mine is on page 274 and it's just about how, um, oh, it talks about um, Moroccan Muslim immigrant Layla Lalami. So she came to the U.S. and then she says, um, so she, she had no trouble with the citizenship test because before she came to the United States, she had taken courses on U.S. history studied its literature, and had become acquainted with the culture. She discovered quickly on arrival in the United States that the U.S. people she met knew nothing of her country's history or culture, although they exhibited the racist caricatures of Arabs and Muslims. Um, as an immigrant, a woman, an Arab, and a Muslim, Lalami was made to feel like a conditional citizen. 
Um, and then it just, it was just like the notion that everyone that's not from the U.S. has of us Americans that we know nothing about any other country's history but our own. Mm-hmm. And it's and true. And it's just, just from like what you were saying, like the lens that we see history through because of the way they teach it to us. And yeah, it is so true because half the stuff in this book I didn't even know. <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of times this season I've been reading things and I have felt like a stupid American. You know, I have felt <laughs> like someone who is just so into their own world of being in America yeah. that I don't even think about the outside world. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so crazy. And as much as we're, you know, saying all these critiques of America, there is a part in here, I don't remember who says it, but they're just like, you know, we say this because we love our country and we want it to be better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to recognize the mistakes. I wish I would have wrote down where it talks about that in here. Do you yeah. remember? I don't remember, but I I remember that being said, um, yeah. and I remember even it talking about how um, a lot of times, especially um, immigrants or people of color, they always feel the need to say like, "We love this country." Like we feel the need to like say, express like patriotism, um, mm-hmm. in order to like feel accepted, and then we can say like, an issue we might have with it or something. You know what I mean? interesting yeah but i still agree with you (laughs) like it's one of those things where it's like yeah i acknowledge all of these things but i do want to get to a place where we as a country can maybe be better and we can work to mend different things that we've broken you know Um, yeah exactly i guess it's just like a faith in the country I don't know why, but um, it's just like something where it's like, yeah, you, we want this to be a better country. Well, yeah, I mean, just because that's this is where we live. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, obviously, it's like, yeah, you don't want to live in a terrible place. Yeah. Um, I will say so. Okay, something that I thought was I was kind of like at the end of the book, kind of wanting. I guess not a like a how-to guide but more of an answer of like how we can individually answer how we can individually work to try and mend this you know what I mean like because it talks about how um immigrants turn into settlers through continuing on the settler colonialism that the United States is like committing you know what I mean Mm -hmm. by always being on native land by always um, going along with the system, but um, I felt like I didn't really get an answer of how we can ourselves not try and fall into it, you know? Yeah. But it also feels That's like maybe true. I should just try and find it out myself. Like you know, not everything can be handed to me, so <laughs> maybe do my own research about it. <laughs> oh my goodness, same. But yeah. Okay. Um, I do. I I do understand what you mean, though. Um, Yeah, but overall, I liked the book. Um, Very informative. You all should read it. (laughs) Yes. It was really, really good. I loved it a lot, and I agree. Everybody should read it. Yeah, especially if you're a minority. Especially if you're not a minority. 
Everybody, Especially if you are everybody a minority. needs to know this. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Bam. Okay. Thank you for listening, you guys. We'll be back next week with our research from this book, which yes, I don't even know. <laughs> There's so much to choose from. Yes, I think we say that every single time. Ready? Bye, <laughs> bye, guys.